Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ podcast. I'm here with Frank Gal, my co-host, and again we have Mike Panone. You know, he's uh he's our recurring guest. Uh, <laughs> anytime we want to get triggered, we just bring Mike on. But oh, this yeah. is but this is uh this is part two of the dark side of entertainment. And the last episode we uh that was dark side of entertainment part one. We kind of described uh an event that i went through so this is kind of the resolution of what can we do to kind of better prepare ourselves whenever we're going out to courses and spending a lot of money so i guess what i'll do is we'll just kind of get on with the questions um so in your words why do you think it's important to go through marksmanship courses whether you're a novice or an experienced marksman um if you don't have a foundation and a, a, a real strong understanding of it, it's you'll get better in a, in a course. But what you really get out of the course is you get actual <clears throat> from a good instructor who's experienced. You'll get training techniques and, and different metrics, ways to to um, evaluate your performance and how to figure out what you're doing wrong. And <clears throat> there's a lot in it that that's really difficult to get without a formal uh, structure that, that you teach in marksmanship. Um, like I said, had hit factor. Points divided by time. What does it even mean? Like, why would you use it? Um, how do you break down a a, um, a a drill into components and figure out which one you're you're losing time on or which one you can refine better? It's really hard if you haven't um, if you haven't been formally trained in that. Gotten basically had the military or law enforcement put you through a good course. It's hard for you to figure it out on your own. A lot of those concepts, once you get them, they seem super simple, but you wouldn't really have thought of them yourself. No, I agree because I remember like, you know, shoot my first enlistment coming back from Iraq. A friend and I just decided to go shoot. And, you know, we've had our training. We shot rifles, we shot pistols, but, you know, we've all, we've, we've done it under the construct of the Marine Corps. Um, so we just decided to go out. We didn't have any structure to what we were doing and we just kind of shot. We didn't know if we were shooting well or not. There was no real, there was really no kind of framework to what we were doing and it's okay every now and again just go out and have fun but whenever you want to actually improve your skill like there's got to be a purpose behind it like people ask me hey let's go shoot it shoot and have a good time i was like uh, i don't think you kind of understand what it's like for whenever i go to the range i can't just go to the range without yeah. some kind of like purpose now like i have yeah. to have purpose behind what i'm doing mm -hmm. But absolutely. And it, like when I, I just, I was at the range today for a couple hours shooting and every, every string I shoot, I go down, I call all my shots, working on some, some speed work with pistol. I call all my shots and I go down and go, okay, is what I thought I saw what actually happened on target. Then I paste it. So I'm literally pasting every string I shoot. I mean, like, I want to know where every single bullet went, not like, oh, it's all in the A zone. I'll just paste outside the A zone. Like, no, I, I want to know where in the A zone it is. So it's like, I'm the same way. I can't, I don't go to the range it's enjoyable, but I'm not going there for entertainment. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, and I think that's where some people get, get, um, 
they don't understand it. Like to me, getting better is what's fun. Getting yeah. good, getting faster, getting more accurate. That's the fun part to me. Um, but it's work. So it's like, if you want to go burn bullets, I get it. I mean, that's fine. But I, I'm just not, I'm not that guy. Yeah. That's kind of how I started out. Um, just going out and having fun and shooting with buddies. Um, but at some point, going to the gym became, or sorry, going to the range became less of an entertainment. And it became more like going to the gym for me. Like there's a purpose mm-hmm. and you're there to get yep. better. Um, but in terms of courses, Mike, um, the way I look at it, if it's a really cheap course, I kind of question if I'm going to be able to get anything out of it and the, whether the substance is there. And if it's like exorbitantly expensive, I'm asking whether or not the instructor is about to blow a bunch of smoke up my ass just to justify yeah. that high uh, dollar amount. So what would you say is like average price that you should expect to pay for like a good course? Um, let's just say two days over the weekend. That's what most people can afford to get away yeah. for. And then what are some price points that you've seen that are just outrageous? Um, I would say, depending on it's usually it's driven by the, the by the the bio and the notoriety of the instructor, like what they've done before, what their background is. That that kind of drives. There's value involved in that, and and that that you know lends to their level of experience. And um, <clears throat> there's also some there, there's got to be there are some let's see you've got notoriety and you've got specific skills or specialty skills something peculiar that they can do but it's for the most part if you're not really well known even if you're a really good shooter and a really good instructor it's going to be harder to fill classes um the the better known you are the easier it is to fill classes but you also see um people that are that are better known instructors over time they 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 stagnate they teach the same course every single time um, for years and years. I mean, it's, and it's like every, every course that I teach is different. If you took, if you took a concealment course four years ago and then three years ago and two years ago and last year, and then next year, they would all be noticeably different because I make things more challenging. I, I new things that I learned, there's new emphasis, like now a big thing I'm, I'm pushing on, on my courses really, really hard on the, the visual focus for, you know, target focus stuff, really, really heavy on hit factor and explaining why it's important and how you use it. But I want, I, me personally, I want people to leave with knowledge that helps them get better. And that's what you should be looking for in a course. You're looking at four to $600 for, for a two-day class with, a, with a, a good instructor, okay? You can get charged four to 600 for crap. And that's, that's, you have to do your due diligence. But overwhelmingly, the way I view it is when you leave, yeah, you're going to be better. You're going you're gonna to shoot for a weekend. You're going to shoot probably a thousand rounds or more. You're going to be better. But it's not sustainable if they don't give you um, knowledge and methodologies and training techniques to go forward and, and continue to train yourself. I view for, for my, you know, my patrons, so to speak, those people that come to my classes, I want them to leave with things that they can work on going forward, um, without me there. And they understand it. And I give them the opportunity. They can text me and, you know, or, or, uh, email me and ask me questions about it, but that's what you should be looking for in a course. Someone that's exposing you to, to challenging, um, courses of fire and, new information or new methodologies or evaluating you based on the most current best practices. So, you know, given this, you know, the last course I went to, you know, I kind of knew I was just going there to get a certification, but let's say, you know, you're a guy and you want to go to a a course, but you have no background and you don't know what exactly you're supposed to be looking for. What do you look and look for you personally, whenever you are vetting instructors, you know, and a lot of us, like we can, we can just call people up. Hey, what do you think of this guy? But the guy that doesn't know anybody, um, 
you know, he's not going to have that luxury of just making phone calls. So what, yeah. how do you, how do you vet people? I, I look at, first of all, I look at their, their formal experience. They've got to have some way to promote themselves. Um, they're going to say, what did you do in, in whatever, you know, entity you were in, or are you just a dude that shoots and likes to shoot? Okay. If you're just a guy that likes to shoot and you're really good at it, that's fine. But just teach shooting. Like I'm very guarded. Anytime I see something that says gunfighter, I just like, just hold what you got. Like, hold what you got, bro. Like, mm-hmm. stop with the gunfighter stuff. Let's just do shooting. Let's just do that. Okay. But it's like when, when you're selling, I call it selling magic. They're selling a fantasy to people. They're selling, oh, I'm going to make you a gunfighter. Like, dude, if you're never, ever going to be in a gunfight, then what do you, then what's the whole, you know, purpose behind the gunfighter thing? It just sexies it up. And what they're selling is entertainment. They're selling man camp. They're selling, you know, there I am. Like, they're basically blending scenarios into marksmanship training. So you're running around like, yeah, you're like you're getting shot at and all. I'm like, no, you're not. You're, you're, you're just not like, and that's like the whole on the entertainment thing as a whole side of it that I could freaking vent on about all that stuff, because just shoot like the, the, the point of delivery. I mean, we talked, Matt, Matt, you and I talked about it, movement to contact that's tactics. Once mm-hmm. we're in contact, that's shooting. Yes. Now we're fighting. Okay. The point of delivery as an O3 is your freaking rifle. Or if you're a 31, your machine gun, that's the point of delivery of your freaking service. Okay. We're, we're maneuvering to get you in a position so you can use those hard skills. So once we make contact, it's shooting now, okay? So the, the, when you start blending tactics you, you know, into marksmanship, that's where you, what, what people will do is kind of build a scenario into it so it's fun and exciting and you feel like you're doing something. Anytime you see that as a consumer, understand that you're, you're, you're blending two things together. Overwhelmingly, you're doing that for entertainment, not doing that for skill development. Yeah. And there's a lot of buzzwords that get thrown out, right? I'd say, you know, gunfighter, yeah. combat. Um, there's yeah. there's quite a few out there. Yep. So and it's, yeah. it's you, you've got it. You also have to understand. I mean, people have to understand or they have to they have to look soberly at some things. And there's the I, I say it all the time. The the lens through which we view things in life in general is experience whether you're a commander or you're a platoon sergeant or you're whatever, whatever you're doing, your experience is the lens that brings all these actions into focus. Okay. And the reason that I say that is if you don't, if you don't have formal training to evaluate things, then the, and, and, and ex, aside from experience, practical experience, your, your ability to evaluate techniques is very limited. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and something to bring into focus on that is if you, if you vet things with simunitions, people go, well, we vetted this with simunitions. I'm like, yo, man, um, like when people throw real bullets at you, everybody acts different. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, 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 I fortunately haven't been shot. I know a bunch of people have been shot, been around people have been shot. And it's like, it, it's not like if you hit me with a sim round, you're like, oh man, you got me. It's not like that in real life. And so people aren't all kinds of cavalier. So a lot of stuff that people say we vetted this in simunitions, I'm like, Nobody in their right mind, what you're doing right now, I see it huge in the vehicle space. Everybody's running around vehicles and doing all this stuff and jumping on the ground and trying to shoot under vehicles and all that. I'm like, I'm sorry. If I'm in a, if I, if I'm near a vehicle, I'm getting away from that vehicle. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not, I'm sure as hell not getting on the ground. I mean, three things you need to win a fight, stability, mobility, and situational awareness. I get on the ground. I got stability because I'm laying on the freaking ground. I've given up mobility and I've given up situational awareness. If you rush my vehicle, now I'm fighting from the ground to try and get to my feet. Like I'm never getting on the ground. 
like the ground is where like you, you find like there's shell casings and bodies. Like, you know, people don't get on the ground on purpose in real life. They don't. I never saw anybody do it. I never saw anybody in the middle, in the mix, get on the ground to try and take a shot. Nope. No, no way. I, I want, I want mobility, man. I want to be fast on my feet, being quick on my feet and being in the right spot is way better than tons and tons of armor on your body. So it's like when people start, start doing stuff, they start talking about vetting things with simunitions. And I'm like, it, it doesn't be very guarded about that. If you don't know, understand that that's not what real life is like when this, when the, when the downside of a bad decision is a gunshot wound, people are, are you know, they're a little more sober about what they do. So that's out there in the training world, big time, big time. Hmm, very good point. Um, say you see an instructor who doesn't necessarily have like law enforcement or military experience. What are things that you're looking from that instructor and or um, that would make you actually want to go and seek training from them? He's got to have quantifiable, uh, quantifiable skills in lieu of, of some sort of operational experience that lends itself to that course. He's got to have genuinely good skills. And even then, even if he's got really good skills, he may be teaching things like there, I see a lot of it. And I've been, I've been very against it. And I, my whole, all my courses are built contrary to that. Um, people standing square, perfectly square at seven yards, facing a target, perfectly braced, draw their gun a couple times and then shooting for speed. And, and they, and they think that they're actually getting a, a translatable level of skill that's, that is repeatable. And it's not, it's only repeatable if you've got perfect body alignment, you're seven yards from a target and you're waiting for a three second delay on a timer. Okay. It's just not your perception time. People do the whole sub-second draw stuff. I was doing sub-second draws from concealment at 10 with my arms folded six years ago. It's on video on freaking YouTube and shit. So like, I, okay, I got it. I got it. The sub-second things like, oh, under a second. Wow. In real life, you can't do that under pressure. You will fail 99 times out of hundred because you're never perfectly braced, perfectly braced at a distance waiting to draw your gun. If you were in that configuration, you just have your gun out. You, you wouldn't be waiting to draw it at the last second. So you start getting, people will do things that, that appear to be quantifiable, usable skills that are unrepeatable. And, and I just know that from experience, from doing things for real. It never happens like that. You're never standing there braced, waiting for, you know, waiting, okay, ready, set, go. And so that's why when you start looking at it, when you start looking at instructors, look at quantifiable skills and have them stay within that. And then also have a John decide, start looking at it going, okay, what am I really getting here? What, what, what am I really getting as a usable skill? It's got to be a usable, repeatable skill. If I don't have that, then why am I paying you money? And I, I, I remember, I don't remember the exact numbers. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of say closely. You posted a story the other day and it had to do with uh, some of that quantifiable stuff. And it was like, you know, a, what, like one and a half second draw hitting yeah. a headshot in the A zone, you know, yeah, th this, that's good. Um, yeah. You know, and, yeah, and then like it's, one, one point something. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's part of it's in, it's actually in my curriculum. It's if you turn 90 degree turn, uh, yep. draw and fire a headshot in the A box in 1.5, that's sporty. Mm -hmm. It's very doable. I was doing it today. Okay. Not every single time, but I was doing it, you know, more than 50%. That's for sure. It's, it's sporty, but it's definitely doable. Yep. Turn, turn and fire um, a headshot. Just get the, I, I, what I do is I use the A zone and then I bring it all the way down to the neckline. And that's yep. the, they only see everything around the outside is, is a D zone. Now that's how okay. it's for it. Cause you're throwing, cause you're not aiming at the edge. You're aiming at the center. That's pretty egregious marksmanship error. If you're one inch from the edge of the head and you're trying to shoot a headshot. Mm -hmm. on, on, you know, 
So I, I look at it and go, okay, if I turn draw and fire a single headshot in 1.5, that's a 2.5 hit factor. If I turn draw and fire um, a headshot into what I consider the C zone, which is straight below the A, I have to do it in 1.2 seconds to have the same hit factor, okay? If I just draw and squirt something up there and it hits the one, I've got to do it in 0.4 seconds, which yep. is freaking impossible. So it's like yep. when you start quantifying things, you look at it and go, what is really repeatable? Okay, is a 2.5 hit factor really repeatable? It's hard, man. It's not easy. A 1.5 in a two by three box at 10 yards off a 90 degree turn is sporty. If you don't know, if you don't understand hit factors, if, you, if somebody doesn't explain to you the rationale behind it, that is all done because I want people to see why hit factors are important and what you get like juice to squeeze ratio, like it going really fast. Is it, is it worth going 0.3 seconds faster and, and having a far less effective shot? Okay. So it's like that, that part of it. But if you, if you're not at, if the instructor is not at that level, if he's just taking you out and running you through drills, that's my big thing. I'll just, I'll, I'll shut the fuck up here in a second. If all you're doing is running me through drills, I can go on YouTube and do that myself. I don't yep. need you. Yep. I can watch Matt do or Frank do drills and go, Hey, that's a cool drill and shoot them. I don't need you to run me through drills. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're just running you through drills to try and make you feel cool. And it's freaking taking your money and time. Yeah, no, I agree. I like, I, I like the fact like as an instructor, I'm evaluating their performance and I am critiquing them based on that performance. Mm -hmm. The drills have a purpose, but yeah. it's the coaching and the improvement that you can offer that person that yeah. is, that's the moneymaker. That's why they yeah. are paying you that money. And mm -hmm. if you're just going to, if you're just going to run them through drills and not give them any feedback, what, what the hell are you there for? Yeah. You know, I mean, you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't be like the last thing you should be doing as an instructor is making them feel good about their performance. You, you, you shouldn't be making them feel horrible, but you should be honest, give the, giving them honest yeah. feedback. Hey bro, this is what you're doing wrong. And this is yeah. how you can improve. Absolutely. I want, in the end, you know, like I said, I, I may not be able to make you an appreciably better marksman at the end of two days, but I want to make you much smarter on training. I want you to understand how to train yourself better. That's, that's the benefit. I mean, of, of, of experience, I can look at it and go, this is what you're doing. This is why you're doing it. This is how you know, I want you to counter that. I can't shoot the damn gun for you, but I, at least I can identify to you mistakes and I can explain them like in a clear and concise and unambiguous way. That's the value of experience and knowledge. Just because you can shoot really good doesn't mean that you can transfer that information. Now that said, just because you can transfer that information um, doesn't mean that you shoot good. Well, you got to have both. You got to be able to shoot and you got to be able to teach. And you have a lot of people out there that talk a good game, but don't shoot very well or shoot a good game, but couldn't explain it to anybody. Mm -hmm. like, so, so it kind of goes into my next point. Let's say you're actually in a course and we'll kind of take two into the spectrum. Um, and the first part is you're a new shooter. You're in a course and you, you thought you properly vetted somebody, but you get there and you notice things just aren't adding up. You know, mm -hmm. the things that they're teaching is wrong, like based off of research that was done, stuff like that. How do you handle a situation like that? And then the other half of the spectrum, say you yourself, you know, you did the vetting process. You thought this, this guy so, sold you like snake oil, you know, and now you're now you're pissed because you wasted a lot of money. How do you handle that situation? You yourself. I, shoot. I mean, if, if I think if I think something is, is shoddy, I'll just go up to him and say, hey, pull him aside and do it. Hey, listen, man, like I won't do it in front of everybody and all that, but I'll just pull him aside and go, bro, like, I don't this isn't like this isn't what was presented. This isn't what I thought it was. If I have issues 
one thing that I will, I will jump out at right, right off the get go is any safety issues. I'll be like, no, like when shit's unsafe. Cause I don't want to stand and watch somebody get shot. And I knew better. And I just, well, I didn't want to say anything to upset somebody. Fuck. No, no, not even close. I'll be like, no, dude, no, stop. Like that doesn't work. Can't do that. I just, I was where I shoot up here. Some people came out from a, a, a well-known training organization. They had people running around, like running around the range, doing some physical activity stuff. And then they would, they would get, they would do a full loop. They would get back to the range and then they have to fight. Some guys that had like Kempo gloves and like little headgear on. They fight them for like a minute. Then they run up to the range and shoot. And I'm like, okay. Like, so, so you just, they just run up and like, are there guns waiting for them or what are they like? No, they got their guns on them. I'm like, Oh, it's not cool. So they just go up to the range and load up and go I'm like, no, the guns are loaded. Uh-huh. Whoa. So they got people running around with hot guns, then fighting each other. These are just civilians fighting each other and th- with loaded guns on them. I'm like, I was like, whoa. And one of the guys at the range, just, he's a, he's a good dude. He's a just filling guy. He's like, he stopped and he's like, guys, you can't do that. But I mean, that kind of stuff, somebody thinks that's cool. You know, training as you fight and all that crap. It's like, you're just unsafe. And mm-hmm. when I see stuff like that, I just stop, I just stop it or I leave the range. I mean, I've, I've, I've pulled people off, um, off my ranges that were unsafe, but, um, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I don't go to a lot of courses and usually like the course I go to, I go like, I've been to a couple, uh, I've been to class with Ben Steger. I've been to a class with JJ Ricasa. Um, Matt, Matt Prank is a buddy of mine. So I've been, whenever he's in town, I'll go to his class. He just invites me out. So I don't really have that kind of experience, but I tell people, if you see something, if you're concerned that it's, that there's a safety issue, then just bounce. Don't cause you know, gunshot wounds are unforgiving. And if you have concerns about how your money, you know, was, was spent, I would voice to the instructor say, listen, I, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of this. If he doesn't want to, if he's a stand-up guy, which most of them aren't, but if you, if you were, he'd just give your money back. Say, Hey man, mm-hmm. I'll refund your money. I mean, I will, if, if anybody comes up to, to me in one of my classes and goes, I think this class sucked. I think it was terrible. I didn't get what I wanted out of it. I'd, I'd refund them. I mean, it's, it's, it's never happened and it's not going to happen, but if it, you know, if it did, I would be, if someone really was not happy with it, I'd give them the money back. I was like, dude, you're, I want you to have every bit of benefit you can for every, every minute and every bullet and every dollar you spend. And that's why, I mean, if you, if you feel like you got shorted, go up and tell them, I mean, you, it's your money. They work for you. I tell people all the time when I, when I'm doing a contract or something like, Hey, what time do you, what time do you want to start? I'm like, Hey man, I work for you for the next two days. Why don't you tell me what time to be here? Like, don't forget who's paying whom, like Mm -hmm. you're paying me. I'm not paying you. So if you have a problem with me, then voice it to me because you're paying me. You're my employer for the next day or two. And I think a lot of guys, miss that part as instructors. Like I work for you now. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Sorry. I, I just thought I would follow up. Um, Mike, in any of your classes, do you, how do you facilitate? Like, is there anything that you do at the end of the class in order to open up the forum for all the students to like, just say like, this is what I thought of the class and just have that dialogue. I do, I do it. I do it at lunchtime. Day one. I do it at the end of day, day one. I do it at lunchtime and day two. And I do it at the end of day, day two. I have every time. And I tell them if anybody, if you want to throw a flag on the play, you call a bullshit flag, raise your hand, like air it out. If there's something, if there's something that you think is, is useless. I ask them every time, did, is there anything that we did that you didn't think was necessary or that you think we should have done more of, or that you didn't understand? Or I, I give them the opportunity every time to tell me, because, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. If they don't understand what I'm trying to do, then I'm not doing it correctly. I'm not articulating the points to them. And I want to know. I also tell them, if you've got a competing opinion, tell them whatever it is. Well, why don't you do it this way? That's like, I, I want, I want to hear that. I don't want to hear somebody's name. 
I don't want to hear, you know, Matt's name. Well, Matt said do it. Well, hey, I wasn't there when Matt said anything. So don't, don't, I don't want to hear somebody's name. Tell me, give me a competing opinion and ask me why I would or wouldn't do it or what do I, what I think of it. Leave everybody's name out. Other than that, I want input. If you don't want input, then, then you're not learning. And everybody, it, the interaction of a bunch of human beings, everyone should be learning something. And if you're not, then you're, you're, then you're not there for the right reason, even as the instructor. And you're not, you're not seeking to get better, I, I, I feel. No, not at all. You're seeking to protect your ego. You just want to be right. Like, so I, I, I have a follow-on question for you. Um, uh, since we're on the subject of students and instructors, whenever you have students come to your class, uh, you have the MEC score uh, sheet and, and that mm-hmm. thing on your website. Do you have them perfor- yeah. perform that prior to starting? Uh, your training, just kind of evaluate everybody where they're at first? It, it depends what the group is. Okay. I'll do it with LE guys. I'll do it with law enforcement classes, but it's um, uh, what I don't want to do is it's, it's not, it's not hard. Most of it, I mean, it's the, the bulk of it is 10 yards and then there's one string at 25. But when you start putting speed to it, all of a sudden it becomes difficult when you look at the levels for speed. And now I, I just, um, I have an Excel spreadsheet that, on my computer, I can type in all my times and it gives me all my hit factors per stage. And then overall, and like, it's, it's pretty cool, but it's like, it gives you a lot to work with. The problem that I run into is it takes a long time to run until people know how to do it. Like I can run it. I can run it. I ran it today at the end of training today. I ran it in seven minutes. So it's like, it doesn't take forever. And it's 50 rounds. Okay. But if I've, if I've constantly got to keep explaining stuff, it, it makes it a little more difficult. So what I usually do is I'll do it. I'll shoot a bunch of precursor drills. So they, so they'll know what I'm talking about before mm-hmm. I ever even talk to mech. I'll make sure they understand like three slide lock reload while taking a knee three or something like that. I'll have them shoot a bunch of the drills and I'll go, okay, we're going to shoot the mech. This is what we're going to do. And then I'll, I'll talk through every one of the stages. Okay. First course fire is going to be little bill turn 90 degrees to your right and fire four rounds in the A zone, blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll understand what they have to do because they'll have done either done the drill or done something comparable after that. Then I, I bang it. end of the day, day two, First thing in the morning or end of the day, day one, and then first thing in the morning, come in cold and shoot it. And I want you to see because you get a realistic appreciation, no mulligans, no, you know, whatever, whatever dry draws you did, whatever dry fire you did in the morning when you got up, that's all you got. You show up, you step, you know, step up the line and you get it on and you get to see what your realistic draw times are, what your realistic speed is. And so that, but it's, I have them shoot it when I've got a group that can, that can, that can stay up with it because it takes a little bit of time. I'll have them shoot three or four times in a two-day class because it gives them it gives them a metric that they can they can look at and go, did I get any better at this? I realized like I messed this one thing up. Did I get better at it? Am I am I refining it? Am I let them work on different stages? So it's but it's um I think it's it gives them a benchmark when they leave that form. They can just take that form and print it off the website and they can shoot it again in four months and go, wow, I got way better. You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's a, the course of fire has so many different things in it that you can't just shoot it 30 times in a row and get good at it. You're only as good. You can only shoot it as good as you can shoot. Like you can't shoot it. You can't rehearse it enough to get better. It just doesn't work that way. So that's kind of the way that that works, but I, I'll have them shoot it two to three times a class. If I can four times a class. Is there a YouTube video or video that you have up uh, demonstrating the mech? Not the new one. I'm going to do one here once the snow goes away. Okay, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty. It's all pretty simple. It's on the website. The form has all the instructions on it as well. Yeah. So, um, but it's. It, I think it, it definitely could use a video because it's some of the stuff people won't won't um 
they'll probably mess it up a little bit just because they're they're not. I mean, for guys like you, like you, you know, Frank, you understand course fire. You're like, okay, that makes sense. Little bill, mm-hmm. it's four rounds instead of six rounds. It's a little bill drill. Okay, 90 degree right hand turn. Okay, it's 10 instead of seven. Got it makes sense. Got it. I've done it a thousand times. But for some people, though, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't connect. But um, but yeah, it's I definitely definitely need to do that. Nice. Um, you talked about individual instructors and also like, uh, agencies or departments. So what are some individual instructors that you hold in pretty high regard? And then what are some like organizations or groups for training that you hold in pretty high regard? Um, the guys that I know that have, that have demonstrable performance. I mean, Ben, I've shot with Ben, I've shot with JJ. I've shot with uh, Matt Pranka. So Ben Steger, JJ Ricasa, Matt Pranka, um, guys like that are, are, um, I've shot, he doesn't do open stuff but chris uh chris palmer he's a phoenix pd guy super good guy uh, you know I've, I've been on the range with him he's very 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 knowledgeable um <clears throat> yeah there, um let's see who else there's there's shit there's not because i'm i'm mostly in there those are guys that i know that are kind of at the at, in the little cabalaman i haven't shot with joel park but joel park is an exceptional shooter very smart guy he's a very um, good teacher yeah, he's he's very articulate and he's very yes. detailed. He's very uh, one of the things that my, my big thing is clear, concise, and unambiguous. Like he, what he says is is the, the it's very condensed, but it's easy to it's easy to absorb. And I think that's really important. I go back and forth to him. I send him stuff, and he's like, "Hey, try this or do that." So he's a he's a super sharp guy. You know, Ben's obviously you know knee deep in it. Um, JJ's been doing the movement piece. He's been shooting since he was like freaking two years old or whatever. Um, so it's like the, those guys. Matt's just into it. He just geeked out on it. He was at the unit for a long time. And so th- those, that level of guy, um, I haven't shot with Donovan at point one tactics, but I know he's really uh, highly regarded. Um, I haven't shot with uh, Scott Jedlinski. Um, people say he's highly regarded. I mean, he's got, he's done really well. It's, there's also on, uh, on the, on the, on the business side of it, there's a marketing piece that industry reach doesn't necessarily mean proficiency. Yeah. Just because you've got a good marketing machine and you and you staff lots of classes doesn't necessarily mean that you you're putting out a great curriculum. Some people are just really good at the marketing piece. They build a cult of personality, and then that's what they sell. And there's 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 a there's a lot of that out there. There's some in the shooting world. There's a lot of it in the quote tactical world. A lot of it. So you, we named. I, I just had a follow on for this. We, yeah. we we named a bunch of individuals. Are there any specific academies? Uh, that you would recommend for people to go to? I think SIG, I think the SIG Academy has a lot of good instructors. I know the guys up there, they're a bunch more friends of mine. I think they put on some really good courses and they make an effort. There's, um, uh, where is it up in New Hampshire? Jesus, guys, Ridge, Ridgeline. Yeah. Yeah. Ridgeline. Ridgeline's a solid crew. Those guys are, those guys are on, that's a really good organization. And they, they, they um, are very sober about it. And they, back to the whole, the lens that you view training through is, is, um, experience. Maybe put on, I would say that the two that I know that are, that are as, as actual schools are, are, um, SIG and Ridgeline. Okay. Got really, really high quality training. And they have a great, they've got a client base that I know a bunch of people that go to both of those areas and they, they, they're happy with it. I yeah. think another group to like, keep a, keep a thumb on is Vortex. Like Vortex is starting to put together their own, um, yeah, their own institution. And I looked at it. The classes they're offering are very basic so far, but I would trust them to be able to put it together. Yeah. There's such they're such fervent patrons of the shooting sports. So I, they, I would they, keep an eye on that. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. I went up there. I, I actually taught a class up there and I um, okay. 
there's there were some there's a there's some people that moved out and some people that moved in but they're into it they're definitely they're, they're believers they're, they're doing it i think a lot of the when you get something like a vortex that's yeah they're, they're obviously doing it for revenue generation they don't want to lose money but they're doing it uh, to 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 add value to the industry and and you know to, to some of its marketing as well but they they want to have a um, they want to have a, a footprint on the training side because it's a responsible citizen that's armed and all that. So yeah, I, I definitely I haven't I haven't shot with them in about a year and a half. But when I was up there, all the guys that were up there that I worked with were great guys. They were good shooters. They were solid across the board. And, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll say a piece of that. Like you know, Six Hour Academy. You know, they have Sam Loreno former Marine Corps shooting team. As soon as he left the shooting team, he went up to six hour Academy, mm-hmm. you know, Scott mm-hmm. Raider's about to go up there too. Uh, yeah. Vortex, uh, a friend of mine that I served in three, two with back in 05, uh, Chris Uridia, he was a sniper. Then he went to go be a, a cop up in North Carolina, I think Raleigh Durham area. And then he moved up there to Wisconsin he's up there and him and I talked and he's, he's loving it. And it's like, the people that are doing it, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because they're passionate about it and they're good at it. Yeah. You got, and that's the thing too, is if you see, if you see a lot of stylized stuff, like for, for the consumer, if you look in, there's, there's all the flashy video with the background music and the, you know, the slow, all that shit, dude, what are you selling? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I got to get better about it just because it's part of the industry, but I just throw a camera up like, yeah, I just shot this and this is what I do. Like, I'm not trying to be fancy. A lot of people are selling the fantasy. They're selling the entertainment piece of it. Like, Oh, it's a badass video. It's like, Okay, yeah. that's great. People say let's like let's go to a match and shoot. Like let's show up. There's a weekend match. Let's go shoot. We'll see. Like we'll see who you are. Like the timer doesn't lie. And so I think a a lot of it is the the marketing piece is selling magic as far as I'm concerned because mm-hmm. it's easy because the culture that we live in is very social media driven and people want to be entertained. And you can tell that you can put a video up. I, I put videos up of some shooting something and, and like I, i'll talk about it I'll, I'll explain this is what i did this is this is a mistake i made you know it was, I, there was one of them i put it was a while back it was at a UFC, uspsa stage and if you don't shoot you'd be like wow that looked good but like i penetrated too far into a port and then i you know when i came out i had to i had to go i had to back out instead of shooting past it like a bunch of little stuff that cost me two and a half three seconds mm-hmm. and i was pissed because when i looked at it, i'm like that i did this wrong i did this wrong i did this wrong and I was shooting here and I was shooting this gun and I used this rig and I probably got six questions. Where were you shooting at? What gun were you using? What rig were you using? People don't read it. They'll look at it, look at the video. I'm like, oh, they want to be entertained. I could just put the video up and it would have had the same amount of engagement. So that I think that lends itself to a, a, a genre that wants to put out entertainment to draw vision. And they go, oh, this guy's so badass. Well, what did he do? I don't know, but he has these badass videos and they wind up building a following i mean there are guys in the industry that have literally never done anything but make flashy videos and steal curriculum from other people and they have tons of people going to their courses and so no while we're, yeah I, I completely agree but while we're on that subject if there are bad instructors out there and entertainment is as it's it's pretty rampant then by the same token uh, of logic there should also be bad students is that something you've run into students who just kind of want that vicarious uh, experience like the proximity to like the warrior culture and it's kind of like it's kind of like people who get used to eating junk food or fast food um, mm-hmm. you, you, you feed them full of nothing but junk that's what they get used to and there's no desire within them to go eat healthy or like eat you know find the good stuff yeah I've I've seen that 
Um, I've had guys come to the class because of my background stuff. Like, you know, I was in the, I was in the core and the reconnaissance community and then an SF and unit stuff. So like, Oh, wow. You know, he, it is kind of touched the magic. What, um, what kind of throws them off is that like, I, when I, when I have a, when I do a class, I'm like, Hey, does everybody, everybody here kind of know what my background is and like why I do what I do. If, you know, if, if you don't, I'll, you know, I'll kind of give you, but otherwise, and people go, Oh no, I, we know who you are. I'm like, okay, cool. Trail weapons after loaded regardless of that. I don't give a shit. I'm not here to sell you who I used to be. Okay. And there's some people that come and I, I, I see it. I saw it a while back in civilian classes where they want, Oh, wow. You were in Delta force. You were like, it's like, I'm Kayla's dad. That's what I do. Like, I, I like this stuff. I, I shoot guns. I, I'm like, hopefully you can learn something. I'm trying to sell you, you know, and that's really what it is. I'm selling, selling the knowledge that I have from places that I was in, from the Marine Corps, from SF, from the unit. But I'm not, I'm not here to wow you with who I used to be in another life. And, and I think that, that that is immediately dispelled when I start making you actually work, when I start critiquing you. We're not just going to hang out and burn bullets and have fun, and I'm going to tell you the best thing ever. I'm be like, dude, that, that's not good. Like, you can't do that. You, this is you're, What you're doing is incorrect. And I've had people get kind of surprised. Like, you know, like I'm harping on them. I'm like, you, you came here to be critiqued. I'm critiquing you. I'm not being an asshole, but I'm telling you, you're not doing this correctly. And if you don't do that as an instructor, then you're literally just taking their money. I'm taking your money. I'm letting you do things incorrectly and reinforce that. And I'm taking your money. And so it's like that, that, that side of it, people know that when they come to a class, like it's work, like this is work time. We're here to work. Yeah. It should be fun and enjoyable. Okay. It should be enjoyable. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it is fun. But I think that the, 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 the lower level, more social media engaged people are the ones that are doing the bulk of the, you know, touch the magic. Oh, you were a SWAT guy or you were whatever. It's like, it doesn't, we're here to shoot. Let's get better at shooting. And I think that's, that is, again, that's symptomatic of the social media generation. Yeah. I think people got different ideas of fun, right? Like I think for all of us on this podcast right now, um, our idea of fun is going somewhere, learning something new about our shooting abilities, uh, something that we can take back to our dry fire. But my thought was like, if entertainment is, so widespread then there are probably tourists out there as well and yep. they just want to sip night my ties on a the beach they don't necessarily want to put in work now, i was at prado i was teaching rifle class at prado years back the guy showed up when 416s were like unobtainium right oh, you, like you just couldn't get he showed up he had well we'll start with he had um he had uh what kind of freaking boots did he have i forgot what kind of boots he had uh like a solos or something they're like 300 boots he had cry bottom and top he had a, a cry JPC, which is, I don't know how many freaking thousand dollars he had a freaking cry helmet. He had a four sixteen. He had an L can on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like a peck 15 on it. He had, he had a, a, a like, dude, you got, you, you're literally sporting like freaking $12,000 worth of kit just on your body and like a dollar 80 worth of skill. I was like the dude, the dude showed up. The only ammo he could get was HST. So he was punching holes in paper with like nine millimeter HST and 55 grain freaking, um, uh, pointed soft points. It was like, cause the money didn't mean anything. He was, he was there to dress up and shoot guns. Like, like, dude, then don't. And I told him, I was like, dude, don't, don't spend all the money on this stuff. Spend a lot of money on bullets and just practice and have like, you know, chronicle it. And I mean, but there, there's a lot of people out there that, that they look at the, the, and this is just a side note. And again, I'll shut up after this. Um, they glorified the warriors, all the people out there, that, that we're really doing stuff. Um, you see it you see either videos of it or you see some sort of Hollywood representation of how cool it was. 
And, you know, being in Marine was awesome. Soldiering was great. You know, it's like being in Iraq, I don't regret it. You know, you know there's some parts of it I could have done without. But overwhelmingly, it was an experience that has, that has had a profound, you know, profoundly positive effect in a lot of ways on my life. Okay. But it's not like, it's not like on, on YouTube and Instagram. It's like, it's not, that's, that's, that's not how, that's not what it's really like, but people want to go out there and play dress up and, and kind of act it out. And that, that is fed. People realize they can make money bringing people in to do that and do the tactical stuff. And that's where you get the whole touch, the magic crowd and all the rest. It's a, it's kind of a, it's own little ball of wax there, man. So kind of wrapping everything up if a person wanted to attend one of your courses where could they find your schedule and do you travel uh whenever you teach courses yeah it's it's on it's on my website um ctt-solutions.com i travel all over the country it's mostly it's almost all client-based stuff i've got i live in utah now and i've got four or five classes in utah but everything else is in you know everywhere else wherever in the country from uh, Alaska, from, you know, the, the lower 48, all the way up into Alaska. I haven't done anything in, in Hawaii yet, but um, I, I go to Alaska usually every, probably every year or every other year. But yeah, if, if, um, if they look on the website, there's, there's the ones up now are law enforcement. The, the civilian classes are getting ready to go up. I, um, and yeah, and anywhere in the country, if somebody's interested, they can just, you know, message me and, you know, text me or whatever, and uh, or not text me, but email me and set something up. And let's say uh, somebody wanted to bring you out to to teach a course. What kind of logistics would they would they have to have figured out before you coming out or before they contact you? Well, there's on the on the website if you if you put in a training request, it has like the range, the apparatus, how wide it is, how you know how long it is. Usually, it's easy. Somebody just gets to me and say, "What do you have? What is your range facility? What do you have? Like, how wide is it? How deep is it? What kind of curriculum do you want? What assets do you have there for targetry? Do you have paper? Do you have steel?" What size steel do you have? What is it rated at? Like all the particulars that, mm-hmm. that come with it. So that, you know, is it self-supporting? Am I going to have to have stuff shipped in? Do you have targets? Like a big thing for me is like, do you have targets? Do you have target tape? Like that's like a pet peeve of mine. And if you have target tape, does it match the targets? Are we putting black tape on white targets, which annoys the crap out of me? Um, so it's like, there's a, there's a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like particulars, logistics side. Usually it's done through email. Okay. It's usually done through email. It's the easiest way. No. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on here to do this. I think it was a good follow-up to the last episode we did. Um, uh, the last entertainment episode we did. Yeah. So again, I appreciate can I, it. Can I throw one thing at the, here at the end, when it comes to the tactic side, I see a lot of people, like I said, they, that a lot of, a lot of the, it's huge in the vehicle space. It's huge because that's really the only tactics that, that a lot of people are doing. Very few people are doing CQB stuff because they, have no, they don't really have a lot of need for it. Plus the vehicle space looks really sexy and you shoot through windshields and all that crap. Um, the question that everybody should be asking in anything, whether it's marksmanship or whether it's tactics, what is repeatable? What are you teaching me that, that, that if I refine it, under pressure is repeatable and will increase my likelihood of success? If you can't identify what is repeatable, then what are you doing? What are you well, like? I see a bunch of people chasing each other around one car. There's literally nothing repeatable in that. There's nothing that you can practice that, that is repeatable and helps success. It's magazine capacity and luck. That's all. Like, no. Well, you know, uh, that kind of brings up a good point, especially whenever it comes to tactics type thing. If somebody's going to a course to learn marksmanship, they shouldn't be expecting to get any kind of tactics out of it. You know, I think I think Matt Pronka kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, if you've been out of the unit or if you've been out of the fight for even a month, well, you're obsolete. Tactics are gone. 
you know. Well, see, you know what? I, I would say. I, let me caveat that. I would say that. I would say that if you are if you are talking about a an existing or emerging threat, yes, because it's going to evolve. Yes. If you're talking about the principles of tactics, I mean, my, my dad was in freaking you know in Chosen Reservoir. Okay, if you lay down a base of fire and flank somebody, it's exactly the same as if you do it today. Like, yeah. there's no difference. The fundamental tactics are the same. Now, when you start, when you when you look SOPs. at SOPs. Yeah, you're looking at SOPs. You're looking at you're looking at emerging threats. When you get guys that come out that that are current, okay. Let's say you've got a, a, a soft guy or whatever that's been that was doing CQB a week ago, and now he's going to teach a class to a bunch of cops. Guess what? The parameters that they that they they function under are completely different. Their use of force continuum, you know, the escalation that they have to have, the use of less lethal. It's it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. That guy that went through a course with a friend of mine from the unit, he's like, yeah. And at, at one point he's like, yeah. And at that point just use ISR. And I'm like, one, I don't know what ISR is. And two, we don't have it. <laughs> like you start, you, you, you build at, at the highest levels of soft, you have assets that other people only see on the movies. And mm -hmm. so like, you can't go to a local SWAT team or even a major SWAT team and expect them to have even 50% of it. So I think if you're teaching fundamentals, if you're teaching principles you're if you understand them you're always current like i, I mean the like the, the the squad and the assault i still remember that like i know exactly what it is and so i could teach it now if we're squad in the assault against a specific adversary that has specific assets that i'm not familiar with then it, then i might i'm i may be out of date so i think it's i think it's i, I agree with matt on one part of it i think on another part of it you got to be more specific what you're talking about you yeah know? i'd agree with that but no, again, thank you. Uh, and to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. Please get on there. Uh, give us a ra rating. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know, that's how we can keep know if we're doing good. So thanks.